Hi, this is Bill Crystal. Why are you listening to the Substandard Podcast? It just encourages them. I want to tell you my secret now. Welcome back to The Substandard. I'm Victor Manis along with Jonathan V. Last and Sonny Bunch. I'd like to remind you all that The Substandard is available on iTunes and Google Play. Just look at our podcast, search for Substandard, you'll easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave a review. Many of you uh, have, and we're grateful. Uh, in fact, a recent reviewer, HWWLDJ, almost gave us five stars, but said, quote, some of the humor is a little uncomfortable, and can we possibly, quote, do a cleaner show? Uh, I'm all for that. I just don't know how to stop. Thank you. He, she, they are talking about you, Victorino. Oh, to be clear, said, this is not uh, a sunny problem or a JVL yeah, problem. This is, this is a Victorino This is definitely problem. a Victor Victorino Mattis So HWWLDJ, uh, if you could just confine your four-star thoughts to Victorino, Sonny and I both deserve five stars. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about anyway. I mean, really, it should be 4.6666667 stars, which rounds up to five. Really, Some of the third really we, should, we should bump that up to, to a five-star review. That, that's true. Uh, anyway, uh, keep on giving us reviews because that helps us uh, pop up in feeds and things like that. Um, not, I'm not saying that Sunny Bunch is going to suddenly pop into your inbox or me in your outbox. But uh, <laughs> see, saying, see, this is this is what, what? the reviewers don't what, want. Why? They, what, uh, what am I saying? You know, you there's a fine line between double entendre and single entendre. There, it's just you just are just vulgar. Just, again. Uh, all I'm saying is please leave a review. It really helps. And uh, gentlemen, how are we? We survived the uh, inauguration and protest weekends. Are, are you inauguration people? Jonathan. You know, I used to be. I, uh, I went, I've been to two inaugurations. I was to the first Clinton inauguration in 93 to the second one in 97. Uh, both times I, I was in college for the first one and had just gotten to Washington after graduating for the second one. And I was with a friend who was family friends with Evan Bayh, uh, ah, Democratic governor from Indiana. And so we got really great seats. And we were all the way up front in the like the frontmost section by the Capitol, close enough to be able to see like the actual people standing on the steps. And. I mean, I was interested in politics, but not especially political. Like my five or six friends that came down, they were they were all wearing Kemp '96 buttons. This is in 1993, <laughs> which they thought was incredibly clever. And I thought, this is why none of you get laid. Um, and it was it was As like amazing. To JBL. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, there were other reasons why I, I was not. <laughs> that that wasn't the reason. Um, but so we then walked to Hamburger Hamlet. From oh, yes. the Capitol to On Georgetown, because the idea of taking yes. paying for a taxi was the most unimaginable decadence you could imagine, uh, and like every I remember that night we had call we went to the Four Seasons in Georgetown, wow, uh, to have like a cup of coffee at the bar, which yeah, is the only thing fancy. any of us could afford to do, and Mark Russell, the political satirist, was doing a. a thing on the piano uh -huh. cnn had set up <laughs> cnn was shooting a live feed of some show and i think it was judy woodruff was there doing the show and 
we just thought that this we were at the center yes. of the universe. You have arrived in Washington. Everything was happening, and we thought it was the really the coolest thing in the world. And today, I would not go to an inauguration if it was Bruce Wayne who was being sworn in, and you offered to pay me ten thousand dollars. I just uh, I, I, I would not mm, leave the house because to go, of the and it crowds or the weather or what? All but, of it. All of it. The security, the crowds, the transportation. I mean, we had just taken the train down from Baltimore, so it was easy. You take a train to Union Station and walk from yeah. Union yeah. Station. to, But to come from where I live in Virginia up to get to there and with a, a million people, the security is so much different than it was in 90. Right, right. I mean, in 93, the security was walking onto the mall. It was that it. And then there were like a couple cops looking at your tickets before you they let you through the gate. Uh, Anyway, and so for all of those reasons, I will I would never I will never go to an another inauguration under any circumstances. You know, you could put this into our show notes, JVL, uh, in The Simpsons, uh, the episode where Lisa goes to Washington. Uh, they have a quick bit with uh, a Mark Russell character uh, playing the piano, and I think every song he does ends in the Capitol Rag. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. very. Yeah. Anyway, we'll have to look for that. Fact, fact check, true. Yeah, uh, Sonny, how about you? Are are you an inauguration person? Have you done them before? Uh, I believe I have only been to one inauguration in person, uh, which was the second George W. Bush inauguration, which I, I can't. I I remember it being just bitterly, bitterly cold, just cold, and I was like kind of miserable, but I was also warmed by the words of freedom <laughs> that he uttered on that. It, you know, it's a, the undying ideal of American exceptionalism and, yeah, and just exporting, really well too. exporting freedom by force wherever we want to. It, it's the, it really warms the, that, that was a January the cold, cold cockles of my heart. I, and I would say that, like JVL, I would never, ever, 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 ever go to another inauguration again. Uh, I was actually, so I, I was actually, uh, I had to come back to D.C. on the day before the inauguration. I got into Union Station at like 1.30 in the morning. I was taking a train down oh. from New York. Yeah. And it reminded me of just how awful it is because I had to drive all the way through the city to avoid all of the barricades and all of the parties that were going on. I had to go all the way. So for people who don't understand the geography of D.C., from Union Station, there is a quick way to get out of the city. You just go down uh, the 3rd the Street Tunnel basically to, to 395 and that mm. takes you right out of the city that was closed there's a moderately longer way to get out of the city which is the 14th street bridge you just go down to 14th street you hook a left and you go right out of the city you just That's a it, straight gone. shot it's perfect yeah. that was closed i had to go all the way out k street uh to <laughs> 66 and like loop around roslyn which is where my my office is now to get home it was a real pain uh because you know they don't oh they, heaven forbid the inaugural party revelers not just be able to wander around the streets of DC uh, when you know poor commuters like myself are trying to get uh, to get home. Uh, but I, I, I it, it, like JBL says that you know just the the it's it, I think it's one of these things where if you do it once, that's it. Once is enough for anyone. I've been in this town now for I've been in this town now for twenty five years. And I have wow. not gone to a single inauguration, believe it or not. I've been to inaugural ball, like checked it out. Mm. My buddy Shane Larson uh, got invited to, I believe, the Texas or Arkansas ball in 93. Um, and that was at the Mayflower Hotel. And what I remember from that were uh, a lot of women in leopard skin. That was Wait, what year was this? 93. And it was the Texas or Arkansas were they, inaugural ball. Were they wearing like uh, like hooker heels or like what Kind of they, the whole deal. Yeah, okay. The whole deal. Right. You know, the tights, 
the whole deal. Had they just seen Pretty Woman? Uh, I'm not sure, but you know, I'm I'm sure the like she wears. I'm sure the newly inaugurated president uh, loved that. So you and I were wandering around the same space around the same time. For all I know, like I I remember bumping this guy with an enormous head (laughs) when on that day in January of 1993. But like the details of the encounter, did did it shift the gravity of the Earth (laughs) when you did this? Like, did we spin slightly off our axis? I I, I bumped into a guy. I said, "Oh, excuse me, sir," and then oh, realized it was a woman because I looked down at the jeans. And it was kind of this like pra- oh, yeah Prada. Prada well, jeans. Were she Prada was jeans. she so, she slash she was wearing she, Prada jeans. He, she was. I said, "Oh, excuse wow, me, Z. Uh, that's yes, weird." It, excuse Zier. me. So that was that was awkward. But I always remember that moment. Um, I I was actually um, at the White House the day after George H. W. Bush lost. Um, I had uh, interned at the Justice Department that summer. Did you so run around going in your face? Oh, it was your- terrible. <laughs> I was, I, I, and I was, I was, you know, I was a college Republican, so I got into the South Lawn, and this was when H.W. arrived by helicopter on the lawn, and all the supporters were there to meet him with flags and stuff like that. And I got really up close. I was in the front of this this long line, and and Bush comes out, and it's raining, and people are, um, even though it's raining, there are people. Uh, in sunglasses because they were crying. And I remember a woman who was in tears saying, you know, it's one thing if it was Paul Songus, but not this man, not this man. And so it was, of course, for Clinton and, 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 and uh, Bush came by and, and he said something like, gosh, you know, with all support, you would thought I, you know, I won or something. And there's probably a line written by Andy Ferguson or John Podhoritz, God, but, uh, you know, and, and everyone's cheering and crying at the same time. And, uh, well, God, God bless. Wait, George. so were you interning in the White House then? No, no. Justice Department. Justice Department. It, uh, under Attorney General Bill Barr. But I wrote um, POTUS letters. As a as an intern, so like the president had to, you know, uh, send a letter to Dare Drug Abus- Abuse Resistance Education Programs, and it's like congratulating them on a job well done. And that was me. Uh, that was my letter. Were you were you writing <laughs> presidential fitness winner letters? Stuff like that. Kids? Stuff like that. You know, there was a lot of it was stuff related to like um, there are hundreds of children you know, across cops, the country who thought they please. were getting real President Bush signatures and letters, and it was you. Yeah, yeah. I signed Lamar's uh, handwriting. No, just kidding. Um, Anyway, uh, and God bless uh, George H.W. Bush, uh, because, of course, he was uh, in the hospital, but now he's back out. Uh, and uh, doctors say that it's a testament given your, to his Given your history health. of what happens to celebrities after you mention them, stop maybe talking. you should just stop I was stop about, talking I, Well, right Sonny, I was about to say, I was about to say, you know, it's almost like the president was unbreakable. Speaking of which... <laughs> Oh my God! And that—that that is a legitimately great transition. Thank you, Jamie. I worked—I worked the over first the weekend. one. It took twelve episodes, but you yeah. got one. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Yes. Thank you very much. So, speaking of Unbreakable, Sonny, you went to see an M Night Shyamalan movie last week. What was it? And tell us all about it. The new M Night Shyamalan movie, Split, starring James McAvoy, better known to most of you as Professor X, the new Professor X, not the uh, the the Captain Picard Professor X. Um, it is about a man who uh, has 23 personalities who kidnaps three girls. It uh, takes place in the city of Philadelphia. It uh, revolves around their efforts to escape from this madman and his uh, efforts to subdue and 
uh, have his way with them sounds wrong. That's not quite what he's what what he's up to. Uh, I would say that. So I, I don't want to I don't want to talk too much about it uh, in terms of plot, just because I don't want to spoil it. Because there is a great twist in, in the last ninety seconds or so. Um, uh, that if either of you, I know you two haven't seen it. If you've looked it up, don't don't no. spoil it for people. Don't. don't I've resisted you know. thus far. Uh, I read a piece by Sonny Bunch, which oh. spoiled the crap out of it. Uh, but there were a lot of spoiler warnings in that. I, I'm we'll, we'll put that I, in show notes. You know what? I actually don't care at all about spoilers. Spoilers to me do not diminish the enjoyment of something at all. So this is this is like science has proven this. You're you're in favor of science then. The science has shown that most people actually enjoy things more when they know what happens at the end of it. Well, it's because my enjoyment is not predicated on being surprised. Right. I think that is right. that is again, this is what science has shown. Uh, I feel that way mostly except for his movies because I, yeah. I feel that they're right. more well, I don't know if I could say any more more often than not, but it's a pretty good um, payoff yeah. in his type of movies. Right. So I would say, uh, you know, M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan, I will go to bad for here here a little bit. Uh, you know, his first four movies or so are really, like I would say amongst the best, like first four major films that a filmmaker uh, has just about ever done. Uh, Unbreak, or, um, I'm sorry, The Sixth Sense. Okay. Uh, don't, Unbreakable. don't go over ratings. Don't go the best first four filmmakers anybody's ever done. Like this is, Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. And, uh, be, and before you do, sorry, also to just throw say you off, his first four films are really good. He also has his a couple first small four films. films. He had a couple of small films before the Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, yeah. First four major films. That's why I said major. That's why I, 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 uh, I, I condition it that way. They are the f- best first four films that have ever been made in history by man born of woman. Uh, he, uh, he. So the Sixth Sense and Unbreakable and Signs, uh, which is uh, I know. I think has has gained in appreciation a bit over the years, and the village, which is which was which was slightly vilified at the time, and I would I would go to bat for as a a great movie about community. It's a movie about uh, you know uh, Rod Dreher talks about this Benedict option uh, of like withdrawing from the world and and creating smaller you know more intimate communities where people who share uh, ideas and ideologies can exist together uh, and it is very much a movie in that vein it's a movie about this idea that you know you the need village. some sort of unity yeah yeah, yeah. that's like um, a com- well it's like people who you know go into compounds and stuff like that right you know? yeah it's yeah. it's it's similar and and so and then and then he had a decade of real just crap yeah. just real like the the uh, oh, what's the one where he's the lady story in the lady water. in the water so bad it's it's so bad and it's 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 so bad that it's like shockingly bad. It's really, it's really. It, I remember, and it's narcissistic too. Well, like the, the hero in the movie is a storyteller. He's there to save the world. And who and, plays the storyteller? Oh, that's M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> M Night Shyamalan plays the storyteller who needs to save the world. And then you have the happening, which is kind of like a byword. Don't, don't forget the critics for crap. Too, who are oh, the critics. Yeah, the critics uh, who are who are like the worst Paul people Giamatti, in the world. Right? No, Paul Giamatti is the uh, he's the um, yeah. the like uh, maintenance man. Right, uh, and right. the the it's uh, oh it's the Bob Bob Balaban is that yeah. who it is yeah. is is the critic uh-huh. anyway uh, terrible that that movie's terrible the happening is awful it is like the it's a it's a it's a byword for totally terrible failed camp is it um, like kind of a, a, a Stephen King ripoff is that basically yeah so it's it's about uh, all, all these people are killing themselves yeah. and nobody knows so why everybody's killing themselves it's because of the plants the plants uh, want us to do it because of global warming or something. Oh. 
Uh, so that was awful. And then people thought like, okay, maybe he can get his groove back because he's got a, he still has a good eye for imagery. He's he's like he's good with motion. He can you know frame a scene. So maybe we can give him some like projects that he didn't write. You know some 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 uh, some like work for hire director stuff. And that was even worse. Uh, you had uh, the Last Airbender, uh, and then you had After Earth, the Will Smith slash Jaden Smith bomb. Whoa. Just off, both of those films are was it, terrible there a financial movie with an and elevator, artistic. A devil in the well, he, he produced that. He produced it, it. Produced and that, that didn't do well either. Yeah. Anyway, it did okay. It did fine for what it was. It was a small budget. Right. But then he got his groove back with the visit, which was again, it's a small budget, very small budget, five million dollars. Uh, movie from the Bloomhouse people, who were the ones who made like The Conjuring and uh, the Purge movies. So these are people who know how to do low budget filmmaking uh, and get it to audiences. Huge hit, made almost 100 million dollars worldwide off a five million dollar budget. Uh, uh, he follows this up with Split, another very small budgeted movie, which made 40 million dollars this weekend. So I think it's safe to say that M Night Shyamalan is back. Go see Split, everyone. Is 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 this a uh, vehicle for a James McAvoy Oscar? Well, he he would have missed the window no, for the Oscar, but you, well, you he would it would be one? for next year's Oscars. Yeah. But no, no, I no? mean the movie is the movie is too trashy to be like. It really is. It, it this is like successful camp, whereas the happening was failed camp. I mean, oh. James McAvoy is playing all these different characters, and they're is he playing it too you know, over the top? Is that what he's, you they're very over the top? But I mean, they're intentionally over the top, and they're like fun to watch. I mean, it's again, this is this is successful camp insofar as it's like silly and crazy, but also fun. And entertaining and like self-aware. JVL, you would say something or no? No, I mean, you know, I'm torn on Shyamalan because I, I want to like him. I mean, he's he makes the types of movies that I I like. He is from Philly and he reps the Philly world that yeah. I grew up in in beautiful ways. And I really like Unbreakable. Yeah, yeah. I think Unbreakable is a great movie, and he's got a uh, amazing visual sense. I mean, a really, really yeah, yeah. beautiful visual sense. Uh, on the other hand, um, no, I actually don't like Sixth Sense all that much. I think Sixth Sense doesn't. I think it's one failing is a really serious failing, which is in a movie like that, uh, you can do anything you want. But you have to adhere to the rules that you set up in order to make it work, especially when you're relying on a twist ending to put the entire movie into context. And the rules, like, he sets up these rules for ghosts and then violates them. How constantly. so? Like, oh, oh, the, like, oh yeah. like you know, so ghosts can't touch anything except for the scene when Haley Joel Osment is in the kitchen and all the... The, the doors and the kitchen cabinets and drawers are pulled open in five seconds, presumably by a ghost who touched them. Um, you know, there's there's the breathe, they, the, the bru- cold and, stuff, and, and the bruising, only happened the bruising and the cutting, right? Right. But so I don't I don't think that it, is that actually a rule that the ghosts can't touch anything. How was that? How was that rule established? I believe this is this is part of the thing. Like you never see Bruce Willis touch anything, right? Because if he touched it, it wouldn't work, and then you know he wouldn't be able to open the door. Right, I mean, this well, is, no, but he does. But he throws he throws like a brick through a window or something. Remember? Yeah, he causes there's a like glass a, to yeah. break. Um, I, I think I think what and you JBL hear you hear the whispering at, though, is, on the no, tape. There's remember? no touching of other humans. There's like, no I, interacting like that. Is I what think you're saying. I, I think that the ghosts can only interact if they get really angry. Yeah, yeah I, okay. I, I think that well, you have to. So use, it's not really a rule then. It's just a suggestion, right? You know what yeah. it is? It's the Patrick <laughs> Swayze ghost rule, which is you have to learn 
to manipulate, and many ghosts don't. And then he went and Patrick Swayze and Ghost went what to the subway. What movie is that? What movie is in that? Ghost. In Ghost? In Ghost. And he goes, yes. The, is go, that one of your favorite I've movies? I've seen it like twice in the last like month. And it just happened to be on. Wait. By I'm the sorry, way, that is gonna, Demi Moore at her to, best, by the way. She's at her all natural best. Uh, Short hair still works on her there. Uh, we need to just pause the M. Night Shyamalan discussion oh, yes. for one moment and discuss why you were watching Ghost twice in a month. I, uh, my wife was watching it. I walked in and the TV was on. I just happened to uh, sit on the remote control. And Plagues! <laughs> locusts! Anyway, uh, but you know, he goes into the subway and the angry ghost who was either pushed or committed suicide, he is the master manipulator ghost and then he learns from him how to move objects. So maybe that's what's going on in The Sixth Sense. Sure. Whatever. Uh <laughs> But but here's here's the thing. Um, so Shyamalan turns out like even his visual sense, like he's only got a couple tricks and he comes back to them again and again. My my single favorite shot in Unbreakable early in the movie is there is a scene which is shot almost entirely in a, as a, a, through the reflection of what's actually happening in the room mm-hmm. off of this gray green curved glass television tube. And it's amazing, except that this is a trick Shyamalan uses over and over again, shooting things off of curved reflective surfaces. Yeah. He does it the he iconic does it in signs, in signs. Yeah, yeah. right in signs. Oh, in, the village, Sixth Sense, uh, with yeah. the the brass doorknob, yeah. right, yeah. Is a, yeah, yeah. an iconic shot. So he has these crutches and the twist ending, and relying on the twist ending is it's like it's like being a gimmick wrestler, mm. you know, like a wrestler who's got like a gimmick that everybody loves, and it yeah. turns out that like, oh, like that's that's all they've. That's all they've got is that gimmick. Um, and I just, as a rule, I don't like twist endings because as often as not, m- storytellers become obsessed with the twist and then they lose sight of telling the story well. That's a good point. And so the twist becomes the the, the point of it. Um, and this is, I would say this is true of The Crying Game. It's true of Primal Fear. It's even true to a certain degree Memento. Although Memento to me is not a movie so much as a demonstration project for the Nolans to simply show we can... We can do this thing with an unbelievably large degree of difficulty. So give us money to make a real movie, uh, and I don't. I don't even know that they would think that that is an unfair characterization. Uh, so a good twist, and I, I spend a lot of time thinking about this. What does a good twist do? When, when a, a twist is executed properly, you are not surprised by it, right? You, you, you. What it, it does is it actually makes immediately everything behind it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it is revelatory and not surprising. You're not confused by it. You don't have to sit back and scratch your head and go, wait a minute, hold on. Wait. Okay, I guess that, okay, okay. Like everything has to, it should be like the tumblers on a lock falling home when the twist is executed. And I think that The Usual Suspect is a perfect example of this. You could have the twist ending of the of the Usual Suspect. You could eliminate that so that you know in the beginning going into it that, uh, Verbal Kent is Kaiser Soze, and it's still a really interesting story because it's an interesting story about this criminal mastermind named Kaiser Soze. Uh, you could, the, the Dark Knight Rises, which is another one of my favorite twists, the Miranda Tate as Talia al Ghul, um, it's done so perfectly that everything makes sense the instant you know it. And, you know, I watch that movie, like, you know, once every couple of weeks. and It's I, your ghost. Kidding. It is, it is my ghost. Uh, but... You know, I would say knowing that it's going to happen does not diminish 
anything about it. So the, the twist is a, a movie which executes the twist well has still has very high degrees of rewatchability. And, and knowing the twist does not, it's like we were talking about spoilers, does not take away anything from it. Yeah. You're not, you're not, you're not there just for the, the initial electric shock of the surprise. Yeah. And I think with a lot of Shyamalan movies that that is simply not yeah. true. Uh, so I, I, I will disagree with you slightly on, on Shyamalan. We can come back to that. But I would say that Nolan Wright is probably the best example of somebody who consistently does the tumblers falling into place yes. thing, right? Like the prestige. Yes. The prestige when you find out that Chris, Christian Bale has a brother. Yeah. The, and it's that's how, how his magic trick works. Uh, it, it kind of changes the whole tenor of the rest of the film if you go back and watch it and you... Uh, and and you can see how all these these yes. things are coming together. But he doesn't. That's but it not doesn't. A clutch no, no, no. Right, right, right. Like the Dark Knight does not have that. Batman Begins right. does not have that. The truth is, Interstellar has a a little bit. But for me, I mean, we could have a whole episode about Interstellar someday. I still don't understand the end of of Interstellar. Like I, I still don't understand exactly what happened or why. That's a, that's a moment where actually he was the, using gravity to send information back in time. Work. It's very we'll, simple. We'll talk about this later. Uh, um, it was a time loop. But for, so for me, as much as and I revere course, Nolan, the, the twist at that doesn't. The, the no. twist is that the Nazis win at the end. It's actually Vic a sci-fi. Vic is going to love this movie. <laughs> God, Vic is going to love this movie. Uh, you know, um, it's so interesting in The Sixth Sense. Uh, for me, one of the most uh, poignant moments of the movie, I mean, it was an interesting movie, but for me, one of the most poignant moments is when they're at the end, stuck in that car, and there was a traffic accident, and a cyclist was killed, and then uh, Haley Joel Osment tells his mother, played wonderfully by Tony Collette, you know, he finally tells the secret that I see dead people, and then he talks about grandma and seeing her and the whole thing, and he does, and he plays it up so well, and talking about her coming to her recital uh, when uh, Tony Collette was a little girl, even though they had a fight, and the question, the answer, the answer is every day and what was your question mom and the mom says you know uh, you know are you proud of me i don't know if shamelin wrote all that but i thought it was just he that did. was a he that did. was very intense and i thought to myself why didn't this why wasn't this kid in the phantom menace That's did you I cry thought. i you know, i'm crying did right now cry? i'm crying right now in the studio i would say yeah. so the the uh I would disagree with you a little bit on on shamelin's twists insofar as i think that the twist often has the effect of kind of um, radically shifting your perspective on the film in ways that are good. So, I mean, like The Sixth Sense then becomes, a, a, for me at least on second and third viewing, became a kind of a much more poignant film about coming to grips with loss and coming to grips with, um, you know, uh, how, how, uh, how we experience losing loved ones um which is something i you know luck fortunately have not had a huge amount of experience with and it it is it you know that that changed that a little bit unbreakable uh i think becomes a a, a again a kind of a, it, it's 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 probably i think the least effective of his twists on second viewing but on first viewing it's so good i still get uh, goosebumps thinking about the the you know the handshake at the end um and uh, Signs doesn't really have a twist. I don't. No, I don't think it's fair to describe what happens in Signs as a twist. It's just kind of this is the progression of the story. But again, The Village I think becomes a much better movie the second time around when you're watching it. it you're understanding what these people have done. Uh, you know, friend of the podcast Adam Kuyper is a big fan of this movie, and he kind of turned my whole my thinking around on this whole thing. Uh, the Village, which I thought was like kind of a, like I, it, it was to the point in Shyamalan's career where I saw the trailer the first time and I was like, okay, so the twist is it's modern day, right? 
Like that's what is wait, happening. Wait, did you that's figure, what. Did like, you, when did you figure it out? No, from the trailer. Literally from that's the trailer. So I was like, what? no, no, no. I was like, I was like, from the trailer. I was like, okay, so what could be the most twisty thing? Okay, they're definitely in modern. What day. made you and think they, that though? I mean, just because know. I was like, what is the opposite of what is happening right now? That's literally all I thought. So it, it so like wow. even like, but again, that doesn't really count. It's not like I deduced it from watching the movie. It was just like, okay, what what is? And this is again what JBL I think was getting at earlier: the weakness of relying on the twist. Yeah. That the. Yeah. the but but that being said, uh, once you've accepted the twist, once you've experienced the movie the first time, and you go back and you watch it, and you watch this kind of this this again sense of community building, community creation, it it it, it is a stronger film, I think. Um, I found you know the ending of the village I thought was for me for the M Night Shyamalan movies one of the most sort of stunning. It's sort of the it's a great reveal when they go into the room and they open up that little chest yep. while she's going right. out when while Bryce uh, Dallas Howard is has going to, for the medicine. Yes, yeah, going go to the town, crawling going to the, the town. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the only problem is you got to sit through an hour and a half of the the village in order to get yeah. to that part. I mean, if you're going to watch the movie, I'd say the last yeah. like twenty minutes and is the also, best part. It's also constructed with the fake twist, right? Yeah, where the you were like, oh, the monsters are real. Oh wait, the monsters aren't real. It was just yeah, the monsters. It was just, and it, you know, and if I lived there, I would be like, "Oh, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to the towns. I'll be right back." You know, every like weekend, I'd be going. Away. You'd be going to the. I'd be going to the you towns. Would not, you, well, this is why nobody wants you in their village. <laughs> Dick, this is. Why. I would have been shunned. I would have been that cloaked monster with the claws. Yeah. Uh, Do we all remember that it was Misha Barton with a big part in the Sixth Sense? Yes. Yeah, as the yes. the daughter. The yeah, point. The 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 the, the, yeah. the the the. It's like the. What do I kind of? What do I think it has to do with, uh, with Munchausen's murder. syndrome? Yeah. Then it's murdered it's by the mother, mother who the mother like killed feeding her castor yeah. oil or yeah. uh, pine pine cleaner or something, something like that. Yeah. awful. Yeah, and this is I would say so. This I, I feel bad bagging on Shamlin because on the other you know on the one hand he he makes beautiful movies that only diminish when you look at all them together. I would say it's it's the full body of work which makes you go, oh come on now, this is a little a little much. Mm-hmm. If you just take each, if he would just if he'd only made one movie in his life, or uh, you know, and it was any one of those movies, you'd look at it and say, yeah, okay, that's a, that's a pretty good movie. In the case of the Sixth Sense, it's a it's a very beautiful movie at the time. You have yeah. to remember when it came out, right? It was a, sort of groundbreaking. He brought. I, I don't know if it's fair to say that he brought back and made child actors respectable again. Again, again. But I think you, he probably made child acting respectable we again. We actually discussed this JVL at the time because we were comparing it to uh, Jake Lloyd. Oh, and that's that, right. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like, that's geez, right. you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it turns out that they're all not like that. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I feel, I mean, do you guys have favorite twist ending movies? I I, I do. What's your favorite the, twist Well, you know what, I probably, there are probably a bunch, but the one that just jumped out uh, for me was uh, 1987's No Way Out with Kevin Costner and Gene Hackman and Crazy Sean Young. Um, and that was the uh, lockdown uh, search for the uh, killer inside the Pentagon, right? So Kevin Costner's the Navy. I don't know if you'd seen this movie, uh, Jay Vale. It's I think I rented so this on VHS when I was oh in seventh gosh. grade or something. But it, that's it, the only memory I have. It, it is, the, the ending is it, for me. It, it, it's a real stunner. But it's uh, uh, Kevin. Costner. You can spoil it. It's, uh, it's thirty years old. Know, it's such a great ending. But uh, Kevin Costner is a naval attaché agent, and he's having. Uh, he he starts dating a woman, uh, Sean Young, who happens to also be the mistress to the Secretary of Defense, played by Gene Hackman. 
And so there's a lot of in and out, so to speak, you know, coming out of the townhouse. You know, <laughs> and Kevin Costner literally has to go through the out uh, the back door. And I mean, because, you know, because Gene Hackman was coming through the front. And then what happens, though, is um, they get in a fight, uh, Sean Young and Gene Hackman, and Gene Hackman kills her. Uh, but then they make it look like an accident. But of course, the only person who knows who the killer is is the naval attache, Kevin Costner, who's now been assigned to work for uh, Gene Hackman. And so the whole point of the movie is Hackman then uh, assigns uh, tasks Kevin Costner to search for the killer. And he's trying to figure out, and he comes, and, and, and uh, Will Patton uh, is uh, Gene Hackman's right hand man. And they said, we'll come up with a, um, a story. That uh, it, this, it has to do with a Russian spy named Yuri because he's always, you know, the CIA is always talking about him. The director of the CIA is played by Fred Thompson. It's great. And they said, you know, it's, uh, Yuri is in the building and we got to figure out and, and, and we could, you know, just blame it on this spy person, the whole thing. And then, you know, it becomes this big chase throughout the Pentagon and everything else. But at the end of the movie, um, Kevin Costner manages to escape. And uh, the, the kicker was... Uh, he goes to talk to his landlord at the end of the movie, Kevin Costner, and all of a sudden they start talking in Russian. And it turns out he was Yuri, and that Will Patton he, he was right all along. I mean, it's just like, pew, you know, wow. it's pretty great. It's a great ending. Uh, that, is, that is great. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to have to. Yeah. Is the rest of the movie that good? Yes. Yes. Fine. Except for that there's a metro stop at Georgetown, and that, that hasn't yeah. happened yet. Well, that's. Uh, then I would not have had to walk from the Capitol to Hamburger Hamlet in Georgetown. Right, right. No, it leads right <laughs> through Georgetown Hamlet. Park. Yeah. Uh, my favorite twist in that I that I've watched recently. I mean, it's 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 always hard to choose, but I I think the one that I uh my favorite that I've watched recently for the second time, um, I've rewatched it for the first time. Uh, was Shutter Island, the Scorsese Ooh. movie, which God, that's like the best movie. I mean, isn't it isn't it just the best? He's the best director. But it was it was. But it was it was great because Martin Scorsese is not a director who does twist endings. Yeah. So it never, never, I never suspected for a second that Leo, you know, was was the real killer all or the real prisoner all along. So it, it that that is one that really worked out for me. Let me ask. Oh, first, uh, your favorite twist ending, JBL. JBL. Uh, yeah, probably Dark Knight Rises. Okay, and, and is this great. is why it's so effective because I actually. I knew that she was Talia Algol, like the whole movie, from the minute she showed up in it. I was like, oh, okay. So Maria Cotillard's character is obviously Ra's al Ghul's mm-hmm. daughter. And, uh, you know, I knew this just from like Batman nerdery. Yeah, yeah. And even so. From the blogs. Yeah, sure. We'll say that from the blogs. <laughs> That's the respectable answer. Um, and uh, and it did it diminished my enjoyment of that movie, not at all. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, also, the revelation in Batman Begins, the Liam Neeson turning out to be Roz, was was a pretty good twist. I thought. Only again, if you had no uh, yeah, idea right, right, about right. that. I no, mean, exactly. anybody you had, with half a brain. Read. No, yeah. but you don't even need to have read. All you have to do is see Liam yeah. Neeson with the Dick Van Dyke beard. Yeah, yeah. Not Dick Van Dyke. The Van Dyke, <laughs> the Van Dyke beard. Yeah. <laughs> to know that he's he's obviously Roz. Okay, so we should also should we should we draw a distinction between the twist ending and the successful thriller, right? Hmm. Like. Would you say that Basic Instinct, for instance, has a twist ending? Where, where yeah, yeah, it's a sure. but it's a twist on a thriller. So the twist is is sort of a cherry on top there, mm-hmm. but is not integral, right? I mean, that movie is successful mm-hmm. even without the ending, right? But the ending is what turns it into a cult classic, right? Right. 
Uh, what I mean, about aside from Sharon Stone turned that into a cult? Well, Sharon Stone on her Yeah, own. Sharon Stone was speaking of people at the peak of their powers. Yeah. Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct. Right. Uh, okay, now let's let's take this in a slightly different direction. Like Psycho has a twist ending. Yes, that's right. Yes, uh, that's right. but what other like do, do most Hitchcock endings really have a twist ending, or are they just kind of thrillers that build to? A conclusion that you're they're like a whodunit type film. I think it's more that. I think it's more they're more yeah. whodunits, right? And yeah. like a, a whodunit can't really yeah. be a twist, almost by yeah. definition, because you're yeah. working the whole time trying to figure out who done it. Right, right. or like, just trying to figure out is he going to get away with it? Right, rear window, rear, win, know, rear window, shadow is not of a, a doubt is not a is not really a. a, right. a right. There's not right. like right. a twist right. ending. North by Northwest, right. you're not. Right. There's no twist to it. Rear window is not a twist. Yeah, you just yeah. Yeah, case Warriors. of mistaken identity is yeah. more like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I, right. I would agree. Okay. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of other other great twists. This is why I, I do. It is a gimmick, and as you say, it's mm-hmm. best used sparingly. Sparingly, yeah. yeah, yeah I would right. say you. Right. And this is the thing about Shyamalan that I think is what drove audience is what turned audiences against him. It yes. was the only twist ending for the director of No Way Out, Roger Donaldson. Uh, the other one here, well, it's based on a novel, but nevertheless, right. what uh, what else has Roger Donaldson directed? This is really interesting. He did in 1984 the remake of Mutiny on the Bounty called The Bounty. Mm. And if you haven't seen that one, that is a, that's an actually really good. I liked it, maybe because I'm a child of the 80s, but I really liked that remake. Uh, Captain Bly was played by Anthony Hopkins. Mm. Fletcher Christian was played by Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson's right-hand man was Liam Neeson, and uh, Anthony Hopkins' right-hand man was Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm. That, those four right there. That's, the, a, lot, that's, that's a, a lot of talent lot, on that's screen. A lot of, that is a lot of talent. Yeah. Is the end of Apocalypto oh, a twist ending? Oh, yeah. Well, it's not a... It's not a twist. It's just a surprise arrival, if, yeah. if you will. Sort of, oh, here they are. Yeah. You know, Speaking it, of twist endings, arrival. That's a great twist ending. I guess, Sonny, I'm still trying to figure it out. Oh, my God. Uh, and speaking of the arrival, uh, boy, I got all sorts of segues today. Uh, we received a uh, feedback, uh, a tweet from uh, one, request. A, a request from a longtime uh, substandard listener, Robert Little. Jonathan, uh, you want to take us here? Robert Little tweets, weekly substandard pitch, place in order, arrival, gravity, interstellar, the Martian, Solaris. I would say I love this game, and I would encourage anybody else who wants to play this game. Should, play along at home. Should play along at home or send us uh, lists like this. This is something I would frankly do every single week. Every single, if Sunny, you send go. us, send us. Uh, I, so I actually wrote down a list, and I left it at the office. Can I, can I just look at your computer yeah, real quick? Yes. Place in order. Okay. Arrival. All right. Uh, my, all right from, from bottom oh, to top. Okay. No, no, no. Don't do, go, go top to bottom. From from best to worst, best to worst. Okay. From best to worst, yeah. From best to worst, I would say Arrival, Interstellar, Gravity, The Martian, and Solaris. Now, there, the, the the part of the problem with this list is that I think Gravity only really works as a ride. Gravity works in IMAX 3D with a booming sound system. Blah blah blah. I, watching it at home, I would probably, I would maybe even put Gravity after Solaris, the uh, original, not the remake. But I would probably put it after the remake as well. Like with Avatar, that is a movie that is format dependent. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Gravity is a great, great film to watch on a giant screen. 
with the the you know giant speakers ringing in your ears i remember walking out of that film feeling almost woozy like literally like i had gotten off like you a were roller coaster space. or something like i i was like i was i kind of like staggered a little bit down the street um like i was a drunken fool uh but i was just drunk on movie okay uh for me i would say interstellar uh the martian I'd say a tie between Gravity and Arrival. I haven't seen Solaris, but I would probably rank Soviet Solaris over George Clooney Solaris. You're just saying. You would just... Yeah, you would, the originals tend to be That's better. really good. That's Thank good. You. That's good critical work there. Hey, I'm honest and upfront. How about you, JVL? Haven't seen The Arrival. Uh, I would say The Martian... Well, you've seen The Arrival, right? The Charlie Sheen? Yes. <laughs> you haven't, but you haven't seen Arrival. I haven't seen Arrival. Oh, you saw the wrong Arrival. Uh, the Martian, although truth be told, I have a hard time disentangling my love for the book with my my like yeah. for the movie. I like the movie quite a lot. I love the book like crazy. Uh, Interstellar, which I like a ton, even though I don't actually like the movie all that much. It's a tremendously, for me, a tremendously interesting failure. Uh, then Gravity, then Solaris. So entirely possible that I would choose Arrival first once I see it in 2025. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Thank you do you want to do Lippen. Spirit of the Week now or corrections? Well, I was going to say it really quickly. If you wanted to talk about, uh, did you have any thoughts on the uh, Star Wars name, Last Jedi? Just throwing that out there. I, the, my only real thought is I hope this means that we're finally going to wipe the Jedi out. This, this is the last, the last Jedi, and they're dead at the end of this movie. No more Jedi. JVL? Uh, Brad Jackson, friend of mine, friend of the show, says that obviously this is a reference to the Yoda line, when gone I am, the last of the Jedi will you be. Uh, however, he says that it's interesting to note that Jedi is both singular and plural. Yes. Oh. yes. So it could be anything. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, what we all hope for is that Rey is killed in this movie. Because right. if you if you want to save the Star Wars franchise... Kill Ray, save the fr- save save the franchise. That's kill 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 the cheerleader. Kill the save cheerleader, the save the world. Yeah. yeah, no, that's exactly true. Uh, and Brad actually also said that he wonders what's going to go on because of Carrie Fisher. He says Brad follows this stuff even more closely than we do. Says that she seems to have been an integral plan for uh, the next movie, and that they are likely going to have to do a lot of rewriting to figure out what to do with her. And Part they've nine. already yeah. they've already committed to not tarkinizing her. Right, right, right. So which that is, will be which is wise i believe that is wise so that is interesting um i i do hope though part of me holds out hope that they will take the lesson of rogue one that it's okay to kill off characters it's i I guarantee you that's not going to happen i bet you that ray lives luke dies and they'll have a big firefight in the end the two of them with their lightsabers going crazy against lots of stormtroopers and he passes on her powers to her or something. Yes. I guess. Oh, I, that's what I just say. shoot God. me now. I really come on, Snoke. Do us all a favor. <laughs> it's it, do us all a solid. Me's are gonna die. Sorry, that's my. What if Jar Jar Binks is the last Jedi? Ah, oh my there God! Go, there you go. See, I have to say, I really more merchandise. I, I got this when I saw this come out. The first thought I had was, oh, they let Lucas name this one. <laughs> this is like their makeup to him for. <laughs> For I don't think the Last Jedi is a bad name. I don't think it's a bad. bad no, but then it makes you is wonder. Is it worse what... than the Force Awakens? 
The Force Awakens is a non-threatening. Not the Force Awakens is fine, but if, the, it's if not they're great, the last, it's not Je- if that's the last Jedi, then what would the last installment be? Right, because that's eight, and there's one more after that. The last Jedi. There's going to be a Star Wars movie every I year know, until you're dead. As you mentioned there's this no, in a there's, previous yeah, episode, yeah, there's no, you, there's no ending. It'll there's be no like escape. The first something else. There's no know? escape from from the more, world that we have created for ourselves. The more prison. Interesting, more interesting than that is that I think this week. Did you guys see this? Woody Harrelson is now signed on for the Han Solo movie? Mm-hmm. Yes, which mm-hmm. is great. I uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to the trans Han Solo. I think that this is going to be a, a great moment to be inclusive, <laughs> and I hope that Disney really understands what the audience wants. Yes. Yes. So and it, and it, of course it's uh, with uh, what's his name is the lead in Han Solo. I just saw him yesterday on uh, Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah, Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, so, Shocker! He's a big fan of Ehrenreich. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let's just move on then. Okay, fine. Uh, you know, I have a picture of Vic's bookshelf, his bookcase from <laughs> his office that I was going to post to show notes. You got to put that in show notes. You got to put that in show I don't notes. Quite One know. shelf, the, the entire shelf. bookcase full of Nazi books. Nazis. But, but the shelf above is all Stalin. So you know, yeah. really, it's all good. It's all good. It's it's the authoritarian wall. Yeah. Uh, Vic, is, Vic is stuck in the uh, Molotov Ribbentrop uh, era. Those He's, days. You know, yes. 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 Uh, let's move on to corrections, if we can, and. Uh, I just, you know, a comment I made about radio DJs in the last episode, and I said, oh, when the music starts playing and the DJ is still talking, but they have till technically the vocalist begins, and sometimes they 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 actually, you know, overstep that line, and I said, a DJs call it um, hitting the wall or hitting the fence. But longtime substandard listener Just Carl points out the term is hitting the post. So thank you very much for that. I was only a DJ once, uh, and that was at an ice skating rink in Tom's River one night. Thank you. I, I, I'm always fascinated by the en- entomology, etymology. Etymology. Enta is insects. Insects, right. One, the etymology of, of phrases like this. And so this must have to do with, with phonographs and turntables, right? It, it must be the, the, the needle oh, hitting the actually post. hitting the post in the yeah, center of yeah, the, yeah. right, or something yeah. like What's that. What's a turntable? <laughs> you know, actually, that's, no, see, that doesn't work as humor, because you're a millennial. Uh, God. You'd be like, God, I love my vinyl. I know, they, they really, are. they're the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an entenmologist, which is an expert on well, I have a couple corrections. Pastries. Only one for me. I said that Lex Luger was dead. He's not. He's very much alive, which really makes me very happy. I loved Lex Luger as a kid. My brother and sister and I used to do uh, wrestling all the time, and our favorite thing to do, because I'm a lot older than they are, my favorite thing in the world to do was to put them in the human torture rack. <laughs> and I would sit there, and, and my brother in particular, he'd be like four years old, and for some reason he thought it was the funniest thing in the world, and so he would, I would have him on my shoulder going, ah, the human torture rack! And my little four-year-old Moppet brother would just be laughing his <laughs> fool head off. And it was great. Uh, so Lex Luger is alive, which is great. Lovely Miss Elizabeth is lamentably still dead. And she did die, in fact, at his house. The big correction, though, is for Vic, who oh. began the show by saying, hey, this is our 10th episode. Not that oh, no. no. JVL, if I could correct Jeez. your correction, go back to listen to it. I'll say last week marked our 10th episode is what I said. So there's to correction to your is correction. Is that what you said? Thank you oh, much. boy. What do the kids do? Oh, and I'm doing this. Blowing doing his it. head up. I'm He's using my his... fingers. I said last episode, right. our 10th episode. Wow, now, you've gotta, now you guys have to correct fight. 
boom does the you dynamite. Got, you got to get on Twitter and yeah. fight each other about this I, correction. I, I will say this That's one it. other correction I had, a self-correction when we were talking about 90s ballads and Sunday, 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 Sunday brunch mentioned. Taking, taking back Sunday. Sunday brunch mentioned ba- uh, Meatloaf, right, and mm. the song. And I forgot the name of the song, and we, we, we figured out, and it, of course, as you said, it's uh, I would do anything for love, parentheses, but I won't do what? that. I thought it was, I thought it was, I won't go there. And but basically, I always thought there, there was a controversy. Where's about, there? Well, that was and do, I won't do that. What was remember that? That was a controversy at the time. What was he referring to? I won't do that. This is why we get four stars. Vic, what what I, do you think I don't know, he's talking I that had about? Something to do with somebody's outbox. Okay, spirit of the week. <laughs> Uh, the spirit of the week. I have no corrections. I, I know. I just skipped you because I knew. I have no I corrections. I'm sorry. Hold on. Rewind 15 seconds. No. <laughs> From which end is Meatloaf referring? Oh, I see. Sending or receiving? <laughs> when he says he won't do that, no, it's involving you clearly have a theory. Sending, sending. Just no, no, say no. it all. No, sending. He was, you know, he was sending. Um, you say okay. clearly involving a woman. You saw Fight Club, right? I did. I did. Um, our Spirit of the Week is uh, brought to us by our producer, Michael Graham, very kindly, of Bushmills Irish Whiskey, which is the oldest uh, whiskey distillery from 1608. As he points out, when you make whiskey that long, you have enough time to fix the mistakes. So it was a lovely whiskey. Um, and that's all the time. We feel like giving you today. How do you yes. like that? Oh. Vic, you, you have crushed this podcast. That is <laughs> MVP. Five, five MVP. star w, FTW. Five star Thank hosting. You. Thank you. Um, questions, comments, complaints, compliments. Tweet us at Victory. Challenges. Victory Challenges. Send them yes. to us. Requests. At, yes, please. At Sunny Bunch. Even at JV Last. No, don't do that. Mostly JV Last. Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Just type in substandard under podcasts, and we're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Until next time. I, I, I was thinking about um, uh, election stories, and but this was actually took place during the campaign in 1992. Um, when I was with College Republicans at Georgetown, we went to some rally in Maryland, and Bush and Barbara Bush, both of them were there at, at the rally. So I thought I was very excited to see them in person, and we got like really up close to closer to the front. And after they got done, they decided to come down and work the crowd, and it was really exciting. I got all of a sudden there were so many people pushing because they're like rock stars. Everybody wants to touch, and I got separated from the uh, rest of my group, and I got pushed into a group of like Asian businessmen uh, for uh, Republicans uh, for Bush, and I was with all these women, in fact. Uh, but I got really up close. They all let him in, so that I got really up close, and I just got so excited that when you know people are shaking uh, hands with Barbara Bush, I was just yelling in her face. I was as close as they were like you know a foot away. I'm saying Barbara. Barbara Bush, Barbara Bush, and my mouth got so dry, a big ball of white spit flew out of my mouth and landed on her dress. And you then spit I, on the first lady I of the United States. I spit on Barbara Bush, and then I just stopped, and I just looked at it, and I said, "Uh." Did you turn around and pretend it was the guy next to you? I, yeah, I kind of like, <laughs> you know, snuck back, and then did just, she give you the stink eye? Did she have um, any idea? Uh, I believe she had no eye contact. I mean, she seemed horrified that you know. I mean, the reactions were kind of nutty, and and to have you know this thing fly out of my mouth. Sorry about it. So, if Barbara Bush is listening to the podcast, my apologies.
Barbara, Barbara, if Barbara Bush, Bush is listening to the podcast. I hope she leaves a review. That'd be great. Please. <laughs> one star from B Bush for one. This is this is for spitting on me all those years ago, Mattis. I like to think you of pig. her as Steve Buscemi from Billy Madison, just sitting there with her list of people. <laughs> She's been yeah. waiting. Yeah, I know. Waiting yeah. for 25 years to just, get you. Just, just imagine her waving at the computer screen oh. after writing the review. <laughs> it's bothered me for years. I've rarely, I, I, I've rarely talked about that moment until now. God, that's so great. Uh, that's so great. So wait, did you actually read my my spoilerific? Of course I did. I know spoilers don't bother okay. me. At all. Without spoiling it for the people who care, what is your theory on the end of Split? Do you thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up, thumbs way up. Actually, the first thing I thought was, hmm, I wonder who owns the intellectual property That's for that That's exactly universe. what I thought. That's exactly that is, what that I thought. Yeah. 100% wow. what I thought. Yeah. I'm getting really intrigued yeah. now. And so anyway, you should, you should go see it. You should, you should see it. You should go to the theater and see it. Yeah, because there's no chance of that. But I will watch it on the <laughs> treadmill when it comes out on video in okay, six months. Yeah, and I'm going to send David Lynch to your gym to slap you in the face. <laughs> so this is this is a true story. I'm in New Hampshire covering the the primaries this this January, this past January, and I was a good boy and went running every day while I was up there. And I went to the little the little gym and did six or seven miles on the treadmill. And I text Sonny from the gym, <laughs> "Hey, Sonny." I'm watching Mad Max Fury Road on my phone. <laughs> did I just send you the video back of David Lynch? Did I, I'm pretty sure I did. That is I? exactly yeah, yeah. what she did. Which is, the, I would say, probably of all the movies released in the year of our Lord 2016, Fury Road the last is the, one the last needs, one the one that to be needs seen on to be phone. experienced on Terrible. as big a screen Terrible. as possible. Terrible. Well, how 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 was it to watch Mad Max Fury Road? I would say that movie is so good that even on a phone, it was fine. 